No, I said another cat, oh. as in like <laughs> to get more cat support. Oh my goodness, this is like this hypothetical is all of a sudden taking a dark turn. Like, <laughs> don't mess with my cat. <laughs> Welcome to Well Shit. It really is that simple. I'm Claire. And I'm Serena. On this podcast, we help you to understand about your 12 universal needs, why they are currently not being well met, how to meet them in ways that work for you, and how to consistently do so in quick, easy, and simple ways that fit seamlessly into your life. We'll also help you to understand how doing so will have a positive ripple effect in literally every area of your life. If you like what you hear, sign up for more support with meeting your needs with your weekly Universal Needs Notes at theuniversalneeds.com. And enjoy the show. Hello, hello, hello. Hey, everyone. That was so funny because I literally got through two hellos and I, I almost had like a memory blank. I remember saying like... <laughs> was it, did, you, did you forget you're a three hello type of person? <laughs> I was, the funny thing was is that I had... Um, I, I don't know if I told you this... Um, like a couple of weeks ago, I was so tired and I was talking about like recording podcasts and the fact that I didn't have the the mental capacity to mm-hmm. record podcasts. I was like, I can imagine myself going, hello, hello, line. <laughs> <laughs> hello. Uh, oh, hello. Like, and I was like, how do I, I think I was, just, I was thinking about something else. I wasn't really being present with what I was doing. And all of a sudden I'm like, hello, hello. How many have I done? Oh, hello. <laughs> I feel like that's more of me thing usually. Well, <laughs> hello, 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 sparkly thing over there. <laughs> I just think that like sometimes I need to adopt that moment as well. I think that we all have to embrace our inner Serena at times. Is it part of wholeness? <laughs> yeah, it might be. <laughs> I felt I like I don't know. I don't know why I had this image in my head of like embracing my inner Serena, like ti- like hugging this tiny Serena. <laughs> I don't know, but she's probably fun too. And she's the uh, Starina. It's the um, oh Starina from uh, Birdcage. <laughs> I love Starina. Oh, oh my god, I, that's one of my favorite movies. Me too. Oh. I love yeah Nathan Lane. Nathan Lane and, and Robin, Robin Williams. Williams and I, yes. um oh uh, who's Agatha um. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, God, I can't remember what his name is. But, yeah, he's amazing. D- David something? No. And he was David in uh, Friends. Um, but that, yeah. Yeah, him. Like, that. just that. I mean, I don't think at that time I appreciated that trio together. Oh, my God. And then, I, I mean, because that's pretty old. I mean, we, oh, were, yeah. we were younger. I want to say youngins, but I'm like, I don't. Significantly younger. But Maybe enough 97, more... I want to say. Like, I feel like it was around there. Like yeah. my appreciation for what a true actor was was oh, definitely yeah. not there. But like just the magic of watching it now and being like you and you and you all together in the oh same my God. movie. Just, just magic. Yes. Yeah. On so many levels. Right. Um, it's so funny. I love, I love that I love that I go to these places and you know exactly where <laughs> I'm going. It's like there are there are very few people that would have gone from a mispronunciation of it pronounce it a mispronunciation of your name. A mispronunciation of your name, even um, to Starina, to Starina, to oh my god, Birdcage. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I actually saw, I actually saw the um, uh, La Cajo file, which is the which is like the original. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw the play on the west in the West End in London. Oh, oh that's my awesome. god, it was so good. That's was, one I've seen only as a 
as like the kind of community theater. Like yeah. it, it never really came back around to areas that I was in, but I can- It did like a small run in London and uh, I actually went with my sister and it was just, oh. Such it a was good show. Such a good show. It was such a good show. And it was so funny. It was like one of the, um, there was, it was over, over here, I've noticed um, being in the US that people are more interactive, shall we say. Um, so like if you're in a movie theater, like that people will react to things more mm-hmm. so like you don't do that in the UK. Like you just sit and watch. And the same you, thing with don't the yell theater. at the screen. No, you don't yell at the screen. <laughs> you don't cheer, like cheer when something happens in the movie. Um, and like theater, definitely. Like you just sit and watch. Um, I mean, and you might like clap if there is a, yeah. Little girl. Very polite. Little girl. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that was beautiful. Um, And it was, (laughs) the funny thing is, it was the first, um, it was the first time I've ever experienced audience participation, like, like not expected audience participation in the West End. Um, And there's a, there's a scene very early on where, um, um, like one of the characters, um says to the other one uh, like calls the other one i can't remember what it like short or something um and the person who was sat next to me in the audience shouted out you bitch like <laughs> and that was it from that point we were like all bets were off like the, all of a sudden it's like, like rocky horror pictures right show. exactly it was exactly like that i'm like oh this is gonna be fun like we are oh, it was such a good such a good such a good show like, do you have I just, rocky horror picture well obviously like you have it as in it's a movie like it could probably be seen is it like a thing like it's, it is here i think it's it's less of a thing here there than it is here i think it's a little bit like everything like we like we we've kind of caught on to the fact that we're doing things we just don't go quite as big as you'll do over here like when you think about like like halloween we've just started to get on board and i mean let's face it let's be honest with what this really is like most of this is capitalism like all of a sudden mm-hmm. it's like oh people can well i can use this other thing to sell more shit to people mm-hmm. um and so things have been adopted like prom wasn't a thing when i was in high school but it is now for people in the uk like, i feel like you just recently told me that and i yeah. was like you didn't have prom no, i mean we like, didn't have prom. that just seems I mean, high school, prom, like it's all yeah. like those are things. Was not a thing. It is now. Like high school proms are a thing. But again, I think that's just that capitalistic of like, hey, like they've been watching this shit on American movies for years now. We could sell them the same. Like I think that's basically what's. <laughs> right. There's uh, dresses and tux yes. places that and are like. Tiaras, hey. like cha-ching. Oh, <laughs> you know, it's so it's, funny you brought up the tiara because I was watching something the other day and it was, um, no, not watching, looking at something, a mm-hmm. click clickbait got me mm-hmm. and it was um celebrities prom pictures and it's like you can see the different like kind of errors Eras, obviously yeah. in the errors errors not errors Error? is that a potato batata or is that just I have two no separate idea. words i know why i know i'm era i've no idea what you are <laughs> i don't know what i am half the time <laughs> anyway you could tell like the different the different time periods yeah. and then there was a section it was like most of the girls were wearing tiaras mm-hmm that was my generation. I oh, really? had a tiara too. And it's like <laughs> thinking, oh, that's the cool thing to do. It's the popular thing to do. This is kind of what everybody's doing. Mm-hmm. There is some genius out there. It's like, I'm going to get all these girls to wear tiaras. tiaras. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you know it. You know it. Um, anyway, that was an interesting <laughs> little tangent. Has, has nothing to do with what we're talking nothing about today. whatsoever. But it but usually it does. Fun. It was fun. And it usually <laughs> doesn't at the beginning. Right. I, I feel like our viewers are probably getting into the habit of... It's like, uh, oh, yeah, we'll wait. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there they go. All <sighs> right. Let them get back. on with it. Yeah. <laughs> and 
back in the room. Like, <laughs> well, today we're actually going to talk about what it means to hold space for somebody. Mm-hmm. This is a term that has kind of increased in popularity and usage over probably the last 10 years, I would say. It's kind um, of been in that self-care buzz. Yes, absolutely. With the, the bubble, with the... Um, yeah, all that kind of self-care stuff and a little bit more of the kind of spiritual woo-woo stuff and and, and a more of a focus on personal development than I think there has been. Um, and the thing with holding space is that a lot of people don't really know what it means. Um, they're like, if you see somebody and they say that they're holding space, it doesn't really look like they're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> if they're doing it correctly. Well, yeah, exactly. But it means it can be very difficult for people to, one, know what it means to hold space and to also figure out what is it that you need to do to become better at holding space. So um, let's give a very kind of brief definition, the definition that we use of holding space. Holding space is basically being with somebody else while they are being with whatever it is that they're experiencing. So what you're doing is you're you're like, like mentally, emotionally, sometimes physically, like holding a container of space for this other person to process or be with whatever it is that they are experiencing any in any one like moment in time. The thing about this is that a lot of people like the idea of holding space, but a lot of people aren't very good at holding space. And the reason that a lot of people aren't very good at holding space is because their own needs aren't very well met. And when your own needs aren't very well met, it can get in the way of you being able to hold space for other people and certainly being able to do it effectively. Um, and so um, one of the things that is very important about holding space is being fully present with the experience that somebody else is having without doing one of two things, which is the most common things that people do in these situations. Either collapsing into the experience, so actually, so you get drawn into the experience and you get overwhelmed by it as well, or withdrawing or pulling away from the experience. Now that might be physically, like as in stepping back, pulling away, but sometimes it can be mentally pulling away, like checking out. It can be emotionally pulling back. So that person, again, we've talked about energetic sensitivity in previous episodes. Like if somebody's energetically sensitive and somebody energetically steps back, like somebody emotionally steps back, they can feel that and it's going to interfere with their process. And that's the whole point is that you are providing a witness to what is going on and you are letting somebody know that they are not alone while they are going through the things that they are going through but also you're not making it about you that's the whole thing it's not about you well and that's what I was just about to speak to is making sure that you're not making it about you because there's a a collapsing into it and then there's you know I want to show them that I I understand and and you all of a sudden you're like in my experience and blah 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 that's not necessarily holding space. It's not holding space. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say, I'm going to take the necessarily okay. out of it. That ain't holding space yes. at all. That's not holding space. <laughs> it's not necessarily part of the, not not necessarily part of the process. Like you can um, share experience, but not while you're holding the space for them. Well, and the thing about it is the holding space is really about the other person and what they need. And so if you are, you can hold space and offer support at the same time. Like those are two different things though. The holding space is about literally just being present with them while they're present with their experience. Now, the thing about it is, is that it might just sound like I'm like, if I was holding space through and I'd just be like, 
crickets. Yeah, we need a little chirp, chirp going on in the background. Now, the thing about it is, is that holding space sometimes can involve some encouragement, shall we say, or um, support for what's actually happening in the space. A lot of holding space is actually just about what we describe as witnessing, which is like letting somebody know that you see them in what they're going through, that you hear what they're saying, that you understand what they're saying, that you feel them, that, that those are things that are part of this holding space experience because holding part of holding space is about witnessing what is going on. So if I was holding space for Serena and she's sharing what is going on, then I may like the part of the holding space is me saying, I hear you. Like, that sounds really difficult. Like, it's just acknowledging what is going on. Now, sometimes it may be that you momentarily pause with the holding space to be able to say, is there anything else you want to share? Like, there's that encouragement of allow, like, yeah, okay. Is there any more you want to kind of, is there anything you want to go deeper into that? Like, that is an encouragement. But the holding space is really just being present with them and acknowledging what is going on in front of you and allowing your, them to be in where they are at without you collapsing into it. And that collapsing in, as I said, could be you collapsing into your own experience, but some of it could be the, the things that Serena was talking about, where that collapsing in is like trying to give advice, trying to fix. None of those have anything to do with holding space. And if you are, if somebody's asked you to hold space, then you don't have their consent to do that. You could ask, would you like some suggestions? But actually even doing that, you wanna make sure that they've they've processed what they're actually processing before you get to that point because otherwise you can interrupt the process by even asking the questions like, oh, um, I don't know, I'm kind of in this right now. Uh, I don't know that I want suggestions right now. But even that, it can kind of short circuit the process a little bit. Um, and so the thing about it is, is that so so frequently people are very uncomfortable holding space for other people because you're not doing a whole lot. You're actually doing a lot, but you're not really actively doing something. It's not like you're giving advice. It's not like you're telling them what to do. It's not like if I'm holding space for Serena, I'm not like hugging her and like stroking her arm or anything like that. I'm just being with her. Sometimes I might offer my hand if she wants to hold it or, um, I might offer that space, but really is just about being present with them while they are being present with the experience that they are having. Now, as I said, the part of the reason that most people are very difficult, find it, find, find that most people are, most people find it difficult to do this. They're Spinning not very out. difficult at this. They're, they're not very good at this or they are, find it very difficult. Um, they'll mash up a word there, um, is that a lot of the times what happens is that our unprocessed stuff because our needs are unmet, end up getting into the space. So for example, I often hold space with my clients or for my clients. So it's like if somebody is going through, they're relaying a traumatic experience, I will hold space for that. I will be present with them while they are sharing their experience. And I will acknowledge what they are sharing as they are doing, um, as they're doing so. The thing about it is, is that if I have anything that is unprocessed, which is similar to, adjacent to, or even just triggered by seeing somebody else in that space, my stuff starts coming up in the space as well. And the whole thing about holding space is you are taking your stuff out of the space in order to make this space about the other person. And so what can end up happening is that where we haven't processed stuff, 
is that we can end up with our stuff starting to enter the space and that's when it gets messy. That's not holding space for somebody else. That's where you end up like co-processing, which if you have made a decision that that's what you want to do, that's not necessarily something that is ill-advised, but it's not holding space for somebody else. And what can end up happening is like if you see somebody who's in deep sadness and you haven't really gone there for yourself where you are, you have grief or where you have sadness is that the grief in somebody else can trigger the grief in you and that's where your stuff starts coming into space. If you see somebody in abject rage and you haven't gone to the places in yourself where you have experienced anger and rage, it could trigger that thing within you. So one of the most important things to be able to hold space well is to meet your own needs i.e. to process your own stuff. One of the things I often say to clients is, I don't, I've, I've never had a client, and I'd be very surprised if I had a client who bought something to me to share in a space where I haven't been to that same or similar place within my experience, within the, the obviously the spectrum of experience that I had as a human being. Um, like I'm, if you, if you want to go to sadness, I'll go to sadness because I've been there within myself. You want to go to grief. You want to go to heartbreak. You want to go to anger. You want to go to rage. You want to go to frustration. Wherever you go, I don't have that unexpressed and unprocessed emotion inside of me because everywhere I've had that come up, I've gone there and I've processed it so that when I'm with somebody else, not only that, but I can actually, uh, there's a there's an empathy that happens when I'm watching somebody go through that experience but I can have empathy for somebody without collapsing into that experience. It's not like, oh my God, this person's really insane. It's really upsetting. It's like, oh God, I feel you. I know, like I know how this feels when you're going through that place because I've been there too kind of thing. Um, so that's one of the things. The second thing is to um, that is helpful to help us when it comes to holding space is to get comfortable with uncomfortable emotions. So one of the other things that tends to happen is rather than kind of collapsing into these un unprocessed things that we've had uh, of our own, is that if we have not ex processed our stuff, um, that what can end up happening is that when somebody goes into grief or when someone goes into anger or when someone goes into frustration is that we can pull back at that moment. It's like, oh, I don't necessarily want to be around that or I don't know how to deal with somebody when they're being in that. And what that can cause us to do is to withdraw. And as I said, sometimes it might be physically stepping back. Sometimes it might be like mentally checking out which means that you're no longer present, which means you're no longer holding space. Or it may be that you're emotionally like shutting down in order to like withdraw emotionally from the situation so you don't have to be with those uncomfortable emotions. And one of the most important things that to be able to be with the uncomfortable emotions is to be with your own uncomfortable emotions and get in the practice of it. Like if somebody else, like it's not easy the first time that you're with somebody else when they're going through grief, but actually... As long as you've processed your own grief and you know you've, you've kind of done that for yourself, by being in the presence of somebody else's grief, it lessens the charge around it for you. Because the more that you experience that, the less uncomfortable you are with it because the more familiar you are, you are with the process. The third thing... Actually, before you go to yes, the third thing, please go I'm going to jump in on that second thing, yeah. which is... Um, as you do get into the practice of doing it more and more, there might be times where you're holding space and you're all of a sudden you're like, oh, sh that like I felt that like that that there's a trigger there. Mm -hmm. 
mental check, I'm going to go back and deal with that right. on my own after. I'm not bringing my trigger to this situation where I'm supposed to be holding space. Because right. if I then collapse into it or pull away from it, I am further impacting the person who thinks I'm there to hold space for them or the right. agreement that we have that that's what we're doing. What we're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one of the things that uh, that comes up that actually I wasn't going to speak to, but I think it's it's an important one is that if you're un, if you your needs are unmet and you see somebody else in pain, sometimes what can end up happening is like, oh, let me fix that. Like you jump into, oh, I want you to be better because I then don't have to be with the discomfort of feeling you in a difficult place. The rescuer. The rescuer jumps in, exactly. And it's like, again, once you're coming in and you're starting to engage with the process or try to change the process in any way, shape or form, you are not holding space anymore. That's not what that is about. Um, and then the, the other thing that really um, is a is a big one when it comes to this is to make sure that you've met your own needs so you have the capacity capacity to be with them while they are being with something challenging because it takes some energy mm-hmm. to be in the presence of somebody who's going through something difficult and and be present with it like actually be there and see it and hear it and feel it and be with them in that process um or be with them while they're being with that process. And that takes some energy. You need to make sure you have the capacity because if you are on low, if you're on low capacity and it's like all of a sudden it goes, they, they go deeper. It's like, oh crap, now what? I don't have the capacity to deal with this right now. And then all of a sudden that's that space that's being held for them is no longer, um, it no longer has the integrity that it had. Well, and with that as well is making sure like, Sometimes you end up holding space for somebody and you don't realize that's what you're going into. It just kind of happens. Mm-hmm. But oftentimes, you know that you're about to hold space for somebody. Right. If Claire's having an issue and she comes to me, it's like, okay, like, how am I? Like, where am I? Because if I'm... Oh, oh sorry. <laughs> so <laughs> Serena's covering the mic with her hands as she's gesticulating. I'm trying to get used <laughs> to uh, not in front of my face and it's... <laughs> It's a process. Mm-hmm. Um, Sorry, if I come to you and yes. I'm... And I know that I'm going to have to hold space or that I... And not even have to. I know I'm that being I'm, asked to. I'm being asked to or that I'm going to. I'm going to do a quick check-in and be like, mm-hmm. okay, here are my needs, my love needs, my acknowledgement. Okay, where am I? Yeah. Now I'm resourced. So mm-hmm. if I do feel one of those impacts, if something does trigger me, I don't have to jump in or jump out. I can be like... Okay, well that was a little a little dip in the resource, but I'm not at bottom. I'm right. not I'm not, you know, pulling from those icky reserves of mm-hmm. desperation or the fumes or right. you know. Absolutely. I'm not trying to pull it out. It's like, no, I'm I'm still good. And if it gets to a point at, at least with Claire and I, I can be like, I really wanna be here for you. I'm having some reactions to mm-hmm. this. And just acknowledging that maybe I've stopped holding, like, I really want to do this. I want to be here. And for some reason, I'm not able to at this point in communicating that. Yeah. And like, do you, do you need to take a moment? And I like, actually, yeah, let me take a moment. I'll go do that. And then I'll come back and be like, okay, I'm good. Sometimes it's just being, needing to step away and take a deep breath within mm-hmm. your own, your own space and being like, okay. Yeah. Because if I was to hold space for Claire and in the middle of it, I'm not communicating what's going on with me. And I'm like, with no comment no context yeah that could look a lot of different ways yes absolutely and i think this is the thing is that this is something that um we we have learned to do i mean 
there was something that I was well aware of before Serena and I became friends, but it's something that is like a key component of our friendship now. And it's a key component of our business relationship Mm -hmm. even now in that if we've got something going on, so often um, what will end up happening is that we'll go and speak to the other person. And rather than jumping into fix it mode, which is what people often tend to do previously, um, just saying, actually, could you just hold space for me? I just need to, I just want to process this, but I want to, I want to have, some support mm-hmm. while I'm doing it. And that this is the thing is that a lot of people think, well, holding space isn't really doing anything. Holding space is often one of the most supportive things that you can do. Like actually allowing somebody to be with what they're going through and be with them while they're going through that, to witness that and to have them have that experience of doing it with that support of mm-hmm. somebody else being present with them. It's so powerful. It's such a gift. It really is. I mean, to be seen, to mm. be heard, to to feel that you're in like um you're not alone in something yeah. but not having to take then take on all of their shit that mm-hmm. you may not be alone in it but you also don't want to carry their luggage right absolutely well and the thing about it is is that when you're when you're in this kind of space is that people like we live in one of the most repressed cultures in history. Like we don't tend to talk about what's really going on. We don't tend to share what's happening. We certainly don't get seen therefore in what's going on that we don't get heard and we don't get listened to. And it means that when we do, it's like, thank God that felt so good. And a lot of the times, all that it is, is it's having somebody being there while we're doing the process that we need to go through. Um, it's interesting. I remember when we first started the Nourish Your Needs Facebook group, um, one of the things that was very, very difficult for a lot of people when they first started was like, do not offer suggestions unless one, they are asked for, or two, you've asked consent. Like, like if that's what they were like, we want to primarily hold space and witness each other. And initially people were like, what do you mean I can't offer suggestions? Like, that's what I do online. I go in there and tell everybody else how to live their lives so that I can avoid actually facing the stuff that's going on in mine, which is what a lot of people do. That's what they do. They go in and give advice to everybody else while living in a very different way. Um, and I remember having somebody reach out to me. Um, and when we were, uh, there's a, um, a post that we make every Tuesday called the support space where we um, where we put a post up and we allow people to, share that they may be what they maybe want to get support with maybe they want to be witnessed and we are in, we encourage our members in that thread to focus on witnessing to focus on i hear you i see you i feel you um, because it's about being seen and heard in what we're going through and i remember i had someone reach out to me very very early on and went oh my god it's so nice to be in a space where i don't have to think about what the suggestions are for every problem that's in there and it's like it's not only good for the people who are being witnessed who are also like oh thank god I can just go in there and be seen and heard in what's going on without having a million suggestions bombarded at me which I really don't want and don't need but it's coming at me anyway and don't want to feel the implied obligation of responding to that yes exactly like putting more labor on the person that you're Exactly. Trying to support. <laughs> well, and, and but then even even for the people who are offering support, like it's much much easier to offer that because the other thing is we're not ex- like most of us aren't experts in all of the things that are going on in life. That's just the reality. And our experiences aren't usually the exact same spe- experience that 
the per- the other person is having. And the things that will be supportive of us will be different. The ways of meeting our needs will be different. All of these things. So it actually takes the pressure off. And I think so often what ends up happening is when somebody shares they've got something going on, it feels like they're sharing it so that they will get advice. So that they'll be told the fix. And it may be that, and here's the thing, it may be that they do want advice and suggestions. And often they don't want the advice and suggestions until they've processed what's actually going on. That's certainly true for me. I know that if I'm talking to somebody and I'm like, I just got to get this out. I just want to experience it. I want to express it. I want to let know, let you know what's going on. I want to feel heard. I want to feel witnessed. I want to feel supported in the sense that I'm not alone in this. That's what I want. Okay, now we've got that out. Okay, you up for brainstorming, like some suggestions? Or like, like at that point, I actually want some constructive suggestions on things I might be able to actually do. But that's a later stage thing, often when it comes to processing what's going on. And we end up trying to amalgamate it all into this one blob and nothing ends up being done effectively. The processing doesn't get done effectively. The suggestions aren't landing on a actually helpful and supportive space that, that can be that could be acted upon. It's just, yeah, it, it, it can be overwhelming. Mm-hmm. I mean, imagine going through a process of anything. Like take something in your life and it can be good, it can be bad, it can be work. Like trying to do multiple things within a single process. Let's, let's, give, an, let's give an example. Like you, you go ahead with your example, but say someone's going through a heartbreak. Mm-hmm. Like go ahead with what you were about to say, but in the context of someone who's going through a heartbreak, like that's a difficult uh, thing to process. Yes. Yeah, so if you're in the, if you're in the beginning stages, the, the, person just ended the relationship with you you can't jump to the solution like well, it can but it's not going to do you any right. good like, think about that like i'm if somebody broke up with me i'm going to be like oh that that hurts if, and if 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 joe dumped serena and immediately she came around here and i'm like right what we need to do is we need to get you on tinder and we need to get you on bumble <laughs> and let's get your makeover and uh, maybe we'll get you another cat so like so that we you have like little little cat friends that will help and can you imagine You're saying that he would take larry huh you just insinuated that i'd have to get a new cat no, I said another cat, oh. as in like <laughs> to get more cat support. Oh my goodness, this is like this hypothetical is all of a sudden taking a dark turn. Like, <laughs> don't mess with my cat. <laughs> Sorry, there's been a lot. I know there's been a lot of cat conversation <laughs> recently. It will probably lessen. Maybe, maybe. Who knows? But yeah, let's take that example. And I go into all of these, like, oh, and like maybe it would be helpful for you to um, go dancing so that you can like get some of that energy out. Like if I bombarded you with those suggestions when it has just happened, what would your response be? I'd, I, well, A, it's kind of interesting because all those suggestions you suge- suggested, I don't think most of them I'd ever hear you suggest in right. general. So it's <laughs> like, I'm like, all right, put yourself in this space. I'm like, but yeah. um, I would probably shut down. I'd probably uh-huh. push away or, and, and, or, I would completely circumvent feeling where I am right now and I would just jump forward to, okay, let's let, let's do all of these other things. Yeah. And I would then use it as a way to avoid dealing with processing it in yeah. in the past. <laughs> I, I could see three three avenues. Either it would be complete shutdown and withdrawal from the world in general. Mm-hmm. You tell me to fuck off yeah, or that- you try and force yourself into I mean, you would 
tell me because I also wouldn't have said those things. But yeah, but, like, yeah, no, but it would be, but there would be an era of like, yeah, like who do you what. Who do you think you That's are? That's not no, helpful. Yeah. Go away. Like that. This is not. Nothing of this is supportive to me right, right. now. I'm, I'm crying on a stoop, and you want me to go dancing? Like, <laughs> do you see where I'm at? You'd be surprised how many times things like that do come up, and like suggestions oh, yeah. like that are made, and it's like, wow. Do you mm. want me to sit with you? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, or actually, no. I think I want to be in my own space mm-hmm. and that's okay too right. like sometimes one of the things that I've offered to clients in the past when they've really struggled with this whole holding space thing I think the fact that it is space makes you think well I'm holding nothing like because the idea of like space being nothingness rather than space being a space that somebody can fill with their stuff like it's a very different concept and so one of the things I've often given to clients in this um when when like maybe one or other of them is like oh I want to help like but they're sharing this thing and I feel like I want to fix it and everything so um one of the things I, I I I call it is like is hold the bucket like I invite them to almost like visualize holding a metaphorical bucket for the other person to empty all of their stuff into. And it's like, as it's like, it's like, just notice like what's going into, oh God, that looked, oh, that sounded, that sounded, I'm so sorry about that. Like, like that's like just noticing, witnessing what's going into the bucket as it's going into the bucket. And then it's like, once the bucket is done, it's not your bucket. You can just put it to one side. You can like pour it down the sink. You can pour it down the toilet. You can chuck it out the back garden, whatever you want to do with it. But the whole point is, is that you are holding this container for them to empty their stuff into, or you are holding a container for them to be in while they are processing the things that they are processing. But sometimes that visual aid of like, oh, I'm holding a bucket. Like I used to, um, when I used to do um, stuff with couples, I used to describe it as taking out the trash. Like, so it's like, hold the trash can, let them empty everything into the trash can. And then you, like that, that, that's got, like you get rid of that. Like, as in, you don't need to do anything, but the key thing is you don't take it on. It's mm-hmm. your not your trash. You go like discard, like mentally, emotionally, sometimes physically go discard it outside so that you're not carrying it with you. It's uh yeah it's some and sometimes these kind of little visual aids can be helpful. They give us a little something else that we can do in those moments. So it feels like we're doing something because mm-hmm. that's the thing. You are doing something, and you're probably doing something that is so much of a gift to this person because they probably don't have anywhere else in their life or limited places in their life where they're gonna get this, where they're gonna get truly heard, where they're gonna get truly listened to, then where they're gonna get seen for who they are and what's going on. I cannot tell you how how much of a gift it is that I have people in my life like Serena who see the entire the totality of me, the entirety of me, and everything I'm doing and everything like all the the, the balls that are in the air and all of the the things that I do. It's such a gift having somebody see that. And even when that process is difficult, just having somebody be saying to me, like, I see you. I see what you're doing right now. And I just want you to know that I'm like, I'm here. You're not alone in that. And it's like, I feel so good. Mm -hmm. I think we're so conditioned, like, as a culture, society, to want that instant gratification Mm. when we're helping. Like, it's it's if I'm helping, I will see a result right there. And when you're doing something like holding space and there isn't a physical thing, like well, it's interesting that you say that. So what did you just say? Do you remember? No. 
that we're conditioned to des- in a society to want instant gratification when we are helping. So in that situation, what is helping about? Meeting your own needs. Meeting my needs, not the pet. Like the, if yeah, we're genuinely like helping... The, yeah. yeah, the person who is helping is seeking to get their needs met. That's the gratification they're seeking by helping. And it's like, actually, if you're helping, it's not about you and your needs in that moment. You need to make sure your needs aren't going to get compromised in that moment. But if you are helping somebody else and supporting somebody else, it's about them and their needs in that moment. And so often that's one of the things that gets us kind of caught up is that we're doing this to try to get some of our needs met which means that that gets in the way of us holding the space. And one of the other things we're doing is trying to meet their needs for them, which uh-huh. is... Normally ju- trying to meet our own needs because we're uncomfortable with them having unmet needs. Yes, and we shouldn't we shouldn't be trying to meet other people's needs for them. Like, mm-hmm. that that can actually lead to more death. Unless they're independent or don't yes. have the capacity and ability to meet their own needs. Let's caveat that, but yes, carry yes. on. So if it's like Claire and I, like, it, I just... Dissipated into absolutely nothing. Vapor. You were saying about you don't <laughs> like you don't want to be meeting like other, other people's uh, needs for them. Yeah, because it's not it's a that's not sustainable. You know what? I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna tweak what you've just said. It's okay to meet somebody else's needs. It's not okay to believe that you need to meet their needs for them. That. Thank you. Because <laughs> I'm, not, I'm you know what made me think about that? This my cup that is sat next to me right now. Now, Serena refilled that cup for me earlier. I didn't ask her to do it. Um, She just went ahead and did it. What was she doing in that? Yeah, she was meeting my needs. But not because I needed her to do it. She knew I would do go ahead and do it for myself. I was probably busy doing something else, probably mm-hmm. making food or something for us. So she was doing something. Like we were, we, it's okay to support each other's needs. It's okay to meet each other's needs. The key is one to not be dependent on somebody else to meet the meet your needs, or to believe that somebody else is dependent on you meeting them for them. That's where it gets sticky. So the second that it's like it's. It's okay to meet somebody else's needs as long as we're doing it as a bonus, a plus. The sprinkles on the Sunday, which we will get to in another podcast. Rather than thinking, I have to do this for them because if I don't, this need isn't going to get met. Like all of a sudden through the podcast, you'd be like, ah. Yeah. <laughs> like dying of thirst. It's. And I mean, you sit there going, whoa, what the, why didn't you, why didn't you fill my cup for me? This well, is your fault. Like, yeah. That's not that's not how this works. Thank you for bringing that because that's exactly it. Like, yeah, because the, the usually when I get uh, jumbled and things dissipate, it's because I'm like something in me is like, yeah, yes, there's a little, there's something else, there's a little tweak. So yeah, thank you. Yeah, you're you're welcome. And this is the thing is that. I know Serena could have figured that out. Like, I'm not jumping in with this because she can't do it. I'm jumping in because I'm like, oh, I see where you're going with this. Um, da, 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 da. Is that helpful? Oh, yeah, that's helpful. But it's like, I don't. we don't need each other to do these things. And it's that need and dependency and the belief of the fact that there is a dependency. It's like, if I don't do this, it's not going to get done. If I don't do this, the other person isn't going to be okay. And it's like, as soon as we get into that space, that's where we create this dependency and this um, the, the victim approach and the rescuer approach, all these sorts of really kind of messy ways of relating to each and other kind code, of come in. Codependency is yes. also formed through this too. Absolutely. Because you get used to the, oh, well, Serena fills my water. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, well, I fill Claire's water. 
Absolutely. And then we become dependent. Like, she doesn't drink unless I'm filling it. I don't, yeah. I, I constantly fill it because I'm like, she's not going to drink without it. Mm-hmm. None of yeah. which is true. <laughs> yes. And none of that is a is a supportive, nourishing, constructed dynamic. Like, we want to make sure that we are doing the things. It's so funny because I've just noticed that you're drinking a seltzer. And I nearly said to you earlier, do you want one of those seltzers? Because I knew that's what. <laughs> and this thing, like, when you know each other well, it's okay to meet each other's needs. Like, I could have easily got out a seltzer for Serena and been like, hey, here you go um again like I can do that but it's a bonus Mm -hmm. it's not something that she is dependent on for getting that need met and this is where this is where the the kind of stickiness comes in is that oh I have to do this because if I don't do this she's her needs aren't going to get met that's where the that's where the rub is that's where the issue lies and this is where we can now start to shift and do things where we can support each other Mm -hmm. but everything I do for Serena it's like I'm like um I've got um someone who I spend a lot of time with over here who opens the car door for me um which is really lovely can I do it myself would I do it myself do I need them to do it no do I appreciate the fact that it's done? Yeah, it's kind of nice. But it doesn't mean to say if I don't, if they don't do it, I'm going to walk into the car door or sit on the curb because I'm like, oh, well, crap, no way into the car now. Like, I'm stuck. I've actually seen people stand there until somebody opens the car door for them because they've gotten into this codependency and it's... I'm going to say that's something different. Is it? I think that's entitlement. Mm. I think there's, a, and then this is where we're like we talk a lot about nuance. There are so many different things that these things can be, and there's so many different layers and nuance to um, a specific situation. In that situation, energetically, in most, and it's not in all, but I would say in most situations, that's an entitlement to somebody else doing it for me, so I don't have to do it for myself. I, as I opposed agree, to, I, agree with I that, can't yeah. do it unless they do it for me. Um, and there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a subtle difference in there, but it's a really important one. Mm-hmm. But either way, we are making somebody else responsible for meeting our needs. And neither one of those approaches is helpful, healthy, and especially, I don't want to use the word healthy, constructive, supportive. Um, but the um, just for those listening, I'm, I'm aware that the use of the word healthy is, uh, is ableist language. So we're shifting that language. So if you notice me catching myself and changing it, that's what that's about. Um, None of those are dynamics that are going to support in getting people's needs met. And that's what we want to do. We want to shift to the place where we are in a place where we our needs are our, our needs. So in that situation, like by me trying to, if we're in this holding space dynamic and Serena's got something going on and I'm like jumping in trying to fix it for her, like I'm trying to meet her needs for her in that moment when in actual fact, I actually block her from meeting her needs because the only thing that's going to meet her needs if she's got something to process is her processing it. Mm-hmm. Me jumping in is not actually going to help the process. It's actually going to get in the way of it, which compromises her needs, which then is going to compromise mine because of the interconnectedness. So it's like looking at how do we do this in a way that honors our needs and honors the needs of the people that we are trying to support where we can offer support without creating dependency. Um, I also think kind of to touch on what I had said before is that we oftentimes feel we need to be doing like doing something like, well, if I don't say all of this stuff, they're not going to think I'm helping them Mm -hmm. or like in, you know, kind of along with that instant gratification. But it's like I need I need to do action i need to i have, also need to be seen as helping i need to be acknowledged for helping i need to be heard as helping i need to be meeting my needs i helping. i i i mm-hmm. yeah there was something else that popped in as you were speaking there um 
you were saying about if you were that you needed to be oh it's gone it may it may come back um it was one of those I was like oh and then ah oh, <laughs> you may have another podcast about you um I think it's I think the thing about with all of this is that ultimately what it comes down to is when we are when we are holding space for somebody oh that's what I was going to say I knew it was going I knew it would come back is that if we're in a place where, so if, for example, we're in a place where we know we are holding space, that's the agreement. Someone's asked for space to be held or that we have offered to hold space. That's one thing. If we are find ourselves in that situation where somebody is sharing something and we don't know what support they're wanting, that's the great time to ask the question. And this is what we do. Like, do you want me to hold space? Do you want me to make suggestions? Like, what, like what, what would feel most supportive to you right now? And it gives them the ability to go, actually, well, what would I read that? Actually, holding space, that's what I need right now. Okay, go right ahead, share away. Like, I hear you, come on, that, that, that. I'm here. Let's I'm do here. This. Let's do this kind of thing. Versus, or actually, I actually I could really use some suggestions with this situation. Like I don't feel there's anything to process right now. What I actually would like is to brainstorm some way, some solutions around this, which is again, it's a that's supportive as well. If that is what the person needs most in that point in time, and that feels supportive to that person for where they're at in that situation in that moment. And uh, with that, I think another aspect of holding space is sometimes it might be like, actually, I think I need to be by myself right now. Like. Mm can hold space from a difference respecting somebody's from a distance from a distance yeah huh? you're saying you can hold space for, for a distance right from a distance from a distance yeah yeah you said from a difference did i i think <laughs> from a distance sorry no yeah. carry on <laughs> so from a distance you can still hold space and how nice does that feel when somebody hasn't um pushed your boundary mm-hmm. like yeah. Right, right there. That's that's supportive, not the forcefulness of no. I'm going to be here for you, like. And just so you know, like holding space for somebody from a distance means that you just do the same thing. You're just mindful of the fact that they are processing something. You are there's a part of you mentally that is with them, mm-hmm. and saying, okay, I'm still here. I'm here from here. I'm not here from there. I'm here from here, and therefore. You don't have to deal with me being in your space because maybe you don't need that right now. Maybe you want to be on your own as you're doing this, as you're processing this, but I'm going to hold space from here. And then if they want to share anything from that distance, you can acknowledge from that distance. But it's about being present with somebody with where they're at and what they're going through. And you're right. It's absolutely something you can do from a distance as well. So yeah, it's recognizing there's different ways of doing this. And the question is always like, what is it that would meet my needs best in this moment? And sometimes it doesn't look the way that we would think it was. So we can ask for something different. Like, oh, well, I really would like you to hold space, but I want to be on my own right now. Could you hold space from there? Sure. Great. Done. Consider it done. I had a, I just, I had a friend once. I was going through something. I was in, a, I was in Brazil. And um, I was dealing with some very, very deep stuff. <laughs> I remember contacting a friend of mine and she was like, um, I was like, I was like, can you talk? She's like, I'm at a photo shoot right now. She's like, I can't talk, but I can text. I'm like, can you hold space for me over text? And I did. I processed it over text with her. And it worked just fine because I was still getting what I needed in that moment. And if she hadn't been available, I would have spoken to somebody else or I would have figured out there's a bunch of different things I could have done in that moment to meet those needs. But it was amazing how she was literally on the other side of the world 
and not even verbally in contact with me. And I've had other people to be like, yeah, I'm just holding space for what you're going through. And it's like, oh, like energetically, I feel like I'm they're kind of with me while I'm doing it and I'm not doing it on my own. And that can be so supportive. It, I, I never thought until being in friendship with Claire that that could be supportive, but experiencing it's like, oh, mm. like I can be alone in my room and feel all the love in the world, all the support yeah. and like, and not have to, I, I can be where I'm at. Yeah. And get what you need in the way you need it that will support with where you're at. I think that's it in terms of holding space. Anything you want to add to the mix? I'm good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want me to hold space while you figure it out? <laughs> You'll be holding a long space. <laughs> Oh my goodness. So this is something that you can, and the one thing I will say to this actually just before we finish up is that this is something that you get better with with practice. Mm -hmm. So you can practice it, find the people who are willing to practice with this with you and who are willing to kind of go into that space and where you can ask for feedback and be like, hey, like was there anything in there that felt less supportive actually? And then so you're like, oh, actually this kind of felt like you were kind of leaning in a little bit to the space. Like if you could have said this, that would have been really more helpful or what have you. So like finding that ways of figuring out how to do this together, that is so supportive. Those discussions were so helpful mm-hmm. for us. And yeah. just, it can really redefine a relationship. Yeah. Because you can go in and be like, okay, well, you know, learning from the experience if you're not used to holding it you want to do this with your closest people because you want to be able to hold space for your closest people so I want to know with Claire what is actually going to be supportive for her right with my husband what is going to be supportive with you it's not be different it's not all the same yeah and the interesting thing is is that yes you want to be doing this with your closest people And it's through doing this that you often get closer to people too. Mm -hmm. So it's like how you strengthen and closen up those relationships. Is it closen up those relationships? You know what I mean. (laughs) They get closer with this kind of stuff. So it's, um, yeah, it's a great, it's a great experience to have. And it's so, it's so nice to know when you have someone who you love, who is going through some stuff, that this is something that you can offer them and that it will feel supportive to them to, to receive that. So that's, that's awesome. That's been my experience anyway. Agreed. Okay, so I think that's it for today. Thank you for being here. Thank you for watching. Um, Stay safe. And remember between now and next time to continue to meet your own needs. Lots of love. Bye, friends. That's it for today. If you liked what you heard and would like to see some of Serena's awesome facial expressions, check out the video podcast via Patreon. And remember, holding space is just being with somebody while they're being with whatever it is that they are experiencing. Well, shit. It really is that simple.